We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great, too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast coming at you. Uh, recording this one night after um, the Knicks uh, lost, a, lost a tough one in Memphis. 
Um, got a fun episode here. Uh, my favorite episodes to record, quite frankly, because I get to talk to Benji about basketball and it is uh, no stress on me because I just get to pitch Benji questions and let him talk and make me and everybody else smarter. Um, and he does that on this episode. We get into some Brunson stuff. We get into some Cam stuff. We get into some Mitch stuff. Um, hit on a couple other guys. Just kind of set the set the tone, set the lay of the land. Some big pictures, some some more focused stuff, um, and all the thanks in the world to to Benji for hopping on this because he paused the Yankee game to record it. Um, I am now recording this introduction to the pod after I, I spoke to Benji. I, I think he's he's probably going to catch up. I'm watching the Yankee game now. It is it is the seventh inning, and they are down three to two. And uh, a Yankee has just struck out. I just wanted to tell everybody what's going on. Um, Andrew, are you watching the Yankee game right now? I am now. And if it's any indication that what you're watching is the same as what my like friend group chat of Yankee fans is watching, I'm going to assume that player that just struck out is Josh Donaldson. Who has I don't know who that struck is. out a lot in this little okay. two game series so far with the with the Houston Astros. I mean, I know who he is. I, I would not be able to place him if he walked in my living room right now. Yeah. Um, they anyway. struck out 17 times in game one. The most, I think, in Yankees history. They did? or They did. Oh, they okay. were struck out 17 Because okay. if he did that by one. himself, I would. I even know. That, that would, would be a be, record. That would be, It'd be very impressive that he got seven. The, the baseball must have come up with a new rule where you can like, <laughs> bat once or twice an inning, you know? Um, I'll, we'll get to the conversation with Benji in just a second, but I do want to ask you, um, very briefly, because I like to touch base with you on certain things where this team is concerned. And the thing that I wanted to ask you is, should, are you feeling because you're good with t- taking the temperature of things? Mm-hmm. H- how are you feeling after that first game? How am I feeling or who, how do I think everybody's feeling? No, I, I'm asking you. Me personally? Yeah. <sighs> There was talk of 45 wins coming out of well, obviously, which means there's 37 losses to spare (laughs) and a loss to the defending two seed that won 56 games last year, even without like, yes, the the Grizzlies didn't have uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. Guess what? The Knicks didn't have RJ Barrett last night. So it was kind of a wash at this point. Why do you, why do you hate him? Why do I hate RJ? Why do you hate him? I'm sorry that I spoke factually about his opening night performance. Having said that, (laughs) I I'm kind of fine because and look, I I'll just say like flatly, the Knicks weren't supposed to beat the Grizzlies last night. Do you want them to steal a game like that? Yes. Did you would have been very encouraging going into this three game stretch against teams you're supposedly better than that. You got a win on the road, a comeback win on the road with a performance like that from Randall, a performance like that from Cam Reddish. And you got an overtime win. Yes. It all would have Hardenstein. Oh yes. All of the the contributors last night. But Those are the only three guys. That's the other part is that on a night when RJ has arguably like the worst high volume game he had as a pro where quickly gave you nothing where Derek Rose gave you nothing. That's something to monitor. And Mitch was infallible all night that you went into Memphis and stole one. Yes, it would have been great, but it's oddly, I don't like moral victories, but at least it makes me feel confident that this isn't going to be like, they'll play with everybody. I, like We're not going to see a bunch of games this year where the fourth quarter is meaningless. Hmm. And the fact that they can have, like, imagine a night when quickly is on, when RJ is like 
not even like a, a, a 50% shooter from the field. How about a 44 percent shooter? From yeah. The field? No, like what, when the, when this, when this regresses back to the mean, the Knicks might actually have something here, which is you, more the bigger takeaway that I got. You know what? And, and this will lead perfectly into the conversation with, with uh, Benji, because this is kind of where we, we start off. Um, after some cam talk uh, is just like the only reason why I'm maybe 7% less positive than I was uh, before the game is like, I was pretty hopeful after the preseason. And again, I, sh- I, I wrote it. I said it. I'm like, take these games with many grains of salt because of who they're coming against. And like, there's no stakes obviously. And yet I still bought into like, huh, this team has a play style that seems to be like sort of working for them. And last night it's like, you know, you come out of it and they play 53 minutes and you're like, okay, still quite, don't quite know how this team is going to get it done consistently on the offensive end of the floor, not in transition. And me and Benji talk more specifically about this, but like, I mean, the fact of the matter is like, this is why I was so aghast at Jeremy's prediction that they're going to be top 15 and uh, effective field goal percentage. Mm-hmm. Cause I just, I think, I think it's going to be a struggle. Um, and I, I, but at the same time, it could be a struggle, but you could still have kind of a formula, you know, a, a consistent approach, like the team, like the, we hear team, did mm-hmm. um, wasn't always pretty, but like you kind of knew what it was going to be and and whatnot. Um, and then yeah, I just I now there's this there's the roster rotation stuff that's kind of just like sitting out there, and there's no answers on the horizon. Did you talk to Benji about the question I had about the rotation potentially? Yeah, we talked a lot about the rotation. Yeah. Okay. So we're just gonna. Talk about Derrick Rose playing 12 minutes last night. I, I think there's a lot of things up in the air right now. I think the, we, you know, I'll listen to the conversation I had with him, but I think there's a lot of things up in the air and I want to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be very curious to see what rumors emerge over the next few weeks. And again, this is a team that made an early trade. For Cam Reddish, arguably kicked off. I think they didn't they kick off trade season with the Cam Reddish trade. It was the first trade of the year. Yeah. That's what. I, okay, yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. that's what I mean. And they, I don't know how much January is trade season. So yeah, I guess what, that actually would be be closer to it. Yeah, and and they did the same thing with Derek Rose. Different different types of trades, but like if ever there were precedent for a team to do something sooner rather than later, and boy, if there were ever a, a team seemingly. Um, in, in, in a spot where something of that ilk w- w- would be warranted, mm-hmm. um, it, it would seem to be the next. But uh, yeah, I, I was talking to a friend of mine this this afternoon that he, I mean, you think Nick's Twitter is the biggest RJ stands in the world? He's he might be oh. bigger than Yash, like as I far as that. I, I'm worse. just. I'm I'm just saying. Well, okay. No, he, my friend has never sent you a bird to flash every time. RJ <laughs> Barrett has. I lost him for a while. I found him last night. Um, but he almost had like a come to Jesus moment. And look, I don't oh. want to make this a RJ conversation. I'm sure you get into it with Benji. No, we didn't. Know. Oh no, RJ was mentioned. So I can have a <laughs> no, little was, bit. Of his RJ name was mentioned a few times, and then we quickly realized. Let's so like he obviously in support of me and us, he was watching 
your post game last night. And he said the thing that he just kind of had to admit was like, yeah, RJ and Ja are in two different tiers. That doesn't mean RJ well, like can't be good. That doesn't mean that he's a scrub. There's just a difference between a superstar and what RJ is right now. And the biggest thing that I couldn't even, when it's one, sometimes when I think you're hard on RJ, you said like, you can't have that game in year four. Like you just can't. Well, and it's good that it's good that it happened. It got it out the way. So this way, like, okay, now he got a slow start. Let's not make this a slow week that he's getting off to. And hopefully he has an efficient game too. And it sets a better trend for the rest of the season. Look, the greatest player in Knicks, or one of the two greatest players in Knicks history. I, I, I want to put it, you know, Patrick Ewing mm-hmm. once went, where'd he go? Over 10 in a playoff game? Over 12, something like that? Something like that. Yeah, had like, yeah. Um, great players. Great players have awful games. Um, so that's why I, that's, that's why we didn't talk about it uh, on the pod because I just like what, what nothing constructive is going to come from great players have awful games. You're right. That was not uncharacteristic. Of our that's the, that's, that's the thing. And like going back and like rewatch, you know, the thing that struck me is I was, I really spent a lot of time on watching Cam's possessions. Um, for Friday's newsletter is like cam in transition and look different guys, different, Mm -hmm. different, different, different strengths, different weaknesses, the whole thing. But when you see just like cam go come down the court and lift, lift off from outside the, like the, the the semicircle there Mm -hmm. and just dunk the ball. (laughs) And then in a similar spot, not exactly the same, but similar spot, RJ Barrett puts the ball up and and it doesn't hit the rim. The two possessions right before the cam dunk where RJ misses at the rim, which were like, Oh damn, that looked really easy by one. And the other two needed a foul call. And look, like the reason we're dissecting it like this, this is the next Highest draft pick since Patrick Ewing, and we're in year four of this. So, yeah, but again, I'm not, me for wanting him to come out and be like, not have the game Cam did on night one. I'm not, but again, I'll say, I, I don't want to repeat myself, but I, the reason why I'm not making a huge deal out of it is because it's like, okay, well, you know, this is what you're going to get from RJ sometimes, which to me, that's, that's par for the course. Mm-hmm. If, if there are people out there this morning who are having a come to Jesus moment, I would just, here's what I say to you. If you're, if you were all in on RJ, stay all in on RJ. Yeah. Don't let this game <laughs> deter you. Look, you, uh, said, you did say this last night. What we'd, we'd love nothing more than this just to be like the one bad game. Oh my God. And then we're here a month from now. It's like, dude, remember that guy from opening night? Yeah. And now he's got like a 56 effective field goal percentage. They're shooting 43% from three. John, I'd settle right now for 52 and 38% from three. But my point being, I'd love for that to just be one bad night on the road in Memphis. And then, you know, just, year, year four RJ took off, which, you know, I'm not going to put it past them, but I'd like if, to actually see it. If the usage is, if the usage is going, if the usage is, is what we think it's probably going to be, um, I'll just say right now, give me an effective field goal percentage that starts with a five. Mm-hmm. That's all. I don't care. I don't even care what the breakdown is. I could care less. If you give me an effective field goal percentage that starts with a five, where do I sign for that? Um, that is where I think everybody is right now. Not the, the, not necessarily the specifics of like just where his effective field goal percentage is, but like, dear God, please let this only be one bad game. Yeah. And that, 
the first game after it was just really disheartening that the first game after his extension plus non-trade for you know who that this is the performance you got. You'd oh. like to actually be like, this is why you don't trade him for yeah. he who shall not be named. Only, only one game. Only one game. All only right. one game. Um, thank you for uh, talking to me for a few minutes. I'm happy we did this. Uh, here's my conversation with Benji Rickholds. Hey guys, quick break to tell you about Factor. Factor makes it easy to eat clean 24-7 with fresh, never frozen, prepared meals that are so delicious you wouldn't believe they're actually good for you. Factor saves you time by delivering chef-crafted meals to your doorstep, eliminating the hassle of grocery shopping and meal prep. Not to mention cleanup. No dishes to wash here. Each Factor meal arrives pre-prepared and ready to eat in two minutes. That's even faster than ordering in. Factor tackles the tough stuff so I don't have to. Their registered dietitians and expert chefs work hand-in-hand to create meals with nutritious ingredients. And with 29 meal options each week, I'm never bored. Going off script for this next part to tell you just how convenient and delicious I've found Factor. My to-do list is usually never-ending. I rarely have time for meal prep. When Factor sent me a box to test out, I chose the extra protein option. They sent me a week's worth of meals, and I had no idea just how convenient this was going to be. Each meal comes pre-prepared. You just put it in the microwave for two minutes, wait another two minutes for it to cool down, and boom, in four minutes, my meal is ready, and it's delicious as well. Last night while I was editing this podcast, I heated up the pork shepherd's pie with white cheddar Yukon mash and roasted green beans. Not only was the prep time non-existent, but I was able to get a lunch break in and still get the podcast out for all of you to hear without taking a significant break. They have plenty of other meal options as well. There's vegan and veggie meals, keto, low-calorie options, cold-pressure juices, smoothies, energy bites, plant-based bars, extra protein, the one I chose, veggie sides, and more to keep you fueled and focused all day long. Don't hesitate. Head to go.factor75.com slash filmschool60 and use code filmschool60 to get 60% off your first box. That's code filmschool60 at go.factor75.com slash filmschool60 to get 60% off your first box. Joining me now on the next Film School podcast, uh, I saw this gentleman last night. Uh, he made his usual array of faces at the different things the Knicks did that were <laughs> that were good and not so good. We lived through the Cam Reddish experience that we're going to talk about. Um, the what did you call it? The Randall Sons. The Randall Sons. I dig it. You should get a trademark. It, someone has to have trademarked that already. You should trademark. That. I actually had it in. Remember that stretch. Last year when he had like five games where he actually played like a... It was four normal. games. Yeah. I know. So, so I did a Knicks film thread and I called it the Randall Sons. So yeah. I actually coined it months ago. Now, it didn't end up being the Randall Sons as it turned out. It turned it, out being a Kings game and some other <laughs> yes. spirited basketball. Yes. Maybe this is the real thing, though. Um, I should introduce you. Benji Ritholtz. Hello, sir. So um, you, as we have just discussed before we press record... Talk about talk about giving yourself over to the basketball team that has not given you or me nearly enough in return. But the Yankees are on right now as we speak. You have paused the game, I believe. I have. It, it is the fifth inning. It is as we as we speak, and they are down three two. That is right. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about the Knicks, and then I'm gonna let Benji go and watch <laughs> more baseball because you know what. 
You know what? The Yankees, you know where, where they are right now? They're in the American League fucking championship series. You know what, man? That's good perspective because uh, this team's destroying me. Like inside, by Dude. Middle, I have zero nails left on any fingers. And I, I feel like I'm not sleeping well because of them right now. And you're right. Like they're in the ALCS or in the playoffs every year. And I've root for another team that I'm more invested in. That is not that. Let's the last, say. the last time the Knicks made the equivalent of this, this round, we'll say, of the playoffs, I was a junior in high school, a senior in high school, and you, you certainly had not hit puberty yet, because um, <laughs> you're younger than me. <laughs> I don't know what age you were. I was all of seven. There you go. So, like, the Yankees have given you a lot, and you should be appreciative, and I want you to appreciate it by watching them play baseball. So let's just, let's talk about a couple of things that I think are important. I want to focus, I want to talk about Cam first, but um, you ended the the night, I think, last night by just talking about some things you're going to watch moving forward, especially based off that game. And I just want to kind of hit on a couple of those. Um, So first and foremost, Cam, a few folks reached out to me today in light of what I wrote this morning, which was that I wrote, I pretty I wrote definitively. I'm like, Cam is in the rotation now. Like, I don't know what else is going to have to happen for him to remain in the rotation, but he's in the rotation. And so people were like, why? It's been one game or it is one game. Do you disagree with my statement that I think he is in the rotation right now? Are you asking from like what I think is going to happen or what you, what you think should happen? That's a good question. I was writing from the perspective of what I think will happen. Oh, okay. I don't, I think that's probably, oh man. Uh, we should I, also say Quentin Grimes is not going to be playing basketball uh, on Friday night. Yeah. Do we know what's going on there? I, no, but I could, I could wager a guess as to how that conversation might've went in light of camps before, like, you know, if there was any doubt, right. Yeah, I guess I'm a little concerned that it's been nagging like this and that. But anyway, uh, to, the, to your question, I wouldn't say because he's going to get a chance now. So I think it very much depends on what happens now, because I, I do want to rewind for a minute to the first half of yesterday's game uh, where, where Cam. To? Yeah, well, it was a bad first half overall, but Cam did some good things. And Cam did some like classic awful Cam things, and had he not gotten back in in the second half, which which we thought uh, live watching wasn't a guarantee. Like we thought he might have gone to nine, but he did go back to Cam. Thankfully, who almost won the game for them. Um, There's still the potential for some real Cam problems. Like he's still that player still exists, even though I love what he showed and the approach not even necessarily as much about the results as, as like the guy just made the right plays and and actually used his size and athleticism and got to the rim and didn't settle for garbage shots. But like, I'm not convinced that that's going to sustain. I haven't seen Cam Reddish do that for an extended period of time in his career. And so I don't, I, I don't agree. I'm not convinced that that is going to take place now. I think if he plays like this, I, I think that's the case. Uh, and it also then depends on like, what can they do with Fournier and Rose because Barrett's not leaving the rotation. Grimes isn't leaving the rotation No, or based on Begley's latest report. Is it look, is it quickly? Uh, you know, I, I don't well, know. I don't, 
I don't think quickly. I don't think Emmanuel to, quickly is going to leave the rotation. Not either. out of the rotation, uh, but it sounds like they're going to trade yes. one of those guys. Yes. So here's where uh, here's where I'm at with this. As far as like we've seen him do things before, like the fact that the same guy you you commented on it, the drive that was blocked by Aldama. <laughs> Aldami, I mispronounced his name. I apologize. The guy who lit up the Knicks last night from from deep um, yeah. when when Cam made himself into like a six three guard with how he put up that shot at the rim and like I rewatched it a few times today. Aldami didn't even have to. He just slide his feet a few times and like literally raise his hands. It was a horrendous decision. It horrendous. was horrible. And there were and there was another shot attempt that was even worse there in the first half. Um, and then in the second half, like you highlighted on Twitter, like the the array of moves that he did along the baseline. Like that's the same player who did it from the first half to the second half. So what do you do with that? I don't know. I'm more just coming at it from the perspective of what they gave up to get the guy, what he represents as far as, you know, the, the all the things we always talk about, the potential and the tools and the, and the body and the, all that stuff. And like, do, is this a, you've been, this is the, I'm not saying he hasn't looked good before. He has looked good before over the course of his pro career. But certainly in a Nick uniform, this was the biggest flash we've gotten. So I don't know that you turn the flash, like you turn it away right away. And then won't have to for at least another game. Now, maybe one more game is enough evidence. Maybe, maybe shit's the bed in this game. And then it makes the life, you know, the decision easier. I don't know. But I, I'm at the point now where at least I'm taking it game by game. But like, I'll say this. I knew he was playing Friday night. So, you know, yeah. So who is it though, John? Like who, who assuming nobody's traded by whatever the third game is Monday. I think they slow play the Grimes injury. If until, I had to guess until they can get off someone until someone, or else, until gets someone else gets hurt or until like you, you can pull chicanery. Yeah, the thing with Cab too is that like even if an injury is to Obi or to Randall, this, I, I was, slots, I'm making this point in Friday's newsletter. You yeah. steal it. He can okay, slot right. in there at the four, and he can know. slot anywhere. Literally, any player from one to four goes down. You can yes. make it such that Cam slots in. That's interesting. Look, I think they really want Quinn Grimes to play. Uh, I think you so know, they're not. They're not gonna. They're not gonna drag. I mean, they'll be cautious. Maybe it'll allow them to be more cautious than they otherwise would have been, because to avoid the conflict, but at some point if it, it, it doesn't, you're right. It doesn't necessarily have to, someone could have a career ending, could not career, God, season ending injury on, on free, never know. And cam could be slotted in for the season. I, more likely to me is if you want that to take place, you got to move somebody. Yeah. Uh, and like trades don't, the trades don't usually happen this early in right. the season. They're it's, it's very rare. Yeah. It's very, yeah. it's extremely rare. You, you usually wait until like the unofficial start of trade season, at least when teams will really start talking is December 15th. Cause that's when guys who were moved or uh, signed this in the summer can, can be moved. Not all players, but some players. Um, yeah. I want to see more. And you know, as well as anyone that I was not a cam guy, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm a cam guy, <laughs> guy now but like i went on that journey with you last night for it was pretty wild it was a wild journey here's the thing though i'm a i'm a value guy and like i know i don't know that we've seen enough from cam through his time in the nba for me to sit here and say definitively that his his the chances of him reaching his ceiling are like 0%. I don't know if they're 5% at this point, I don't know if they're 10% at this point, I don't know if they're 15%. It's a low number still. But I know it's a number 
And I, I still like, and what that ceiling is, that's another question, but like, I want to, I want to see more. That's all I, I, I want to see more. And I, I think he showed enough to, to, to at least justify that position. Um, Brunson. Yeah. First thing you said after the game, I'm going to be watching the shots that Brunson gets. Um, what could you talk, tell that, talk about that to our, our listeners? I just, you'll, you'll say it better than me. Yeah. I th- honestly think that in terms of how many games the Knicks win this year, to me, that maybe other than like what Randall looks like, because that's obviously super important to me, like the key question to the season was what shots can Jalen Brunson get in this offense with this personnel? Um, because we know how efficient he was a year ago. And that's one of the reasons he was valued so highly by the Knicks. One of the reasons he was able to be so efficient was because the Mavericks, not only do they have Luka Doncic, who takes a ton of attention and opens up the floor in ways that obviously nobody on the Knicks can even close to replicate, but can even, can even come close to replicating. But in addition they played either Dwight Powell, who, although is not a floor spacer at all, is an extremely intelligent screener and spacer within the dunker spot. He's very smart about how he moves, trying to draw his guy so that the guard has room to operate mm-hmm. and to seal big men when guards drive. That is something that is a skill that very few centers in the league really have. He is one of them that has it. DMP CD. I'm not sure if there's an injury there, but did not did not get off the bench in Mavericks first game. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Well, they brought in Christian Wood. That might be the answer. Um, But regardless, like like a smart player. Um, And then they go with Kleber at center, which is which is five out. And we saw if you watch that Jazz series when Brunson really kind of put his name on the map, but he was he played like a an absolute all star, bona fide all star. That was a ton of five out. Just him cooking guys, weak defenders, mostly smalls, occasionally bigs off the dribble and getting wherever he wanted on the floor with his array of jukes and spins and footwork and all the amazing things that, you know, Jalen Brunson can do. And he showed a little bit last night. Um, Now you put him on the floor mostly, although last night he got a lot of Isaiah Hartenstein, but for the most part, he'll be playing with Mitch. Uh, Yep. And Mitch for all of his wonderful attributes, including that he's a very good dive center. He's a lob threat that nobody on the Mavs could didn't have that kind of center. And I think Brunson, I think there are things that open up for Brunson in ways that nobody on the Mavs as a partner could open up. But that said, Mitch, a big weakness of his a is that he can't shoot outside of the rim. He has zero floater game layup game. It's it's lob or, or just a, you know, a little dump off dunk or nothing. And two, he's just not an intuitive roller and he's not an intuitive spacer. So even when he's in the dunker spot, he's not necessarily careful about ensuring that his guard has the most space to operate that they, that they can possibly have. And I did see it last night, rewatching some Brunson possessions where like, he's just, he's settling almost for elbow jumpers and longer floaters because he, that space isn't there all of a sudden. And so I'm just going to be monitoring very carefully you know, cleaning the glass shows you what percentage of his shots are at the rim, what percentage is short mid-range, what's long mid-range. Like that number is going to be very important to me, to the Knicks, to his success. And then yes, as such the Knicks success, because he has to be efficient for the Knicks to be good. He wasn't particularly efficient last night. I think he'll be better. 
And I think I actually reacted to the game more negative, his game more negatively. And on a rewatch, I think he was better than I thought he was. And he was a table setter. He made big shots. He made great passes. He didn't turn the ball over. So like, he's still Minus a really good player. Zero no, turnovers. Yeah. yeah. No matter what, this is a huge upgrade at point guard, but they need him to be really efficient, especially with some of the other guys the Knicks have on the floor who, who sometimes can struggle with efficiency. And so that's just something to look carefully at as we go forward here. And you could, Talk to me all you want about like staggering and this and that. Like, if you're a starting point guard, there's only so many that you could play with the backup center. Um, and and, not, and they got all of them last night. I think that was the most. <laughs> that's the most you're gonna get because Mitch was in such crazy foul trouble so early. Um, yeah, and so that's gonna be interesting. I mean, and Hartenstein provides a little bit more spacing. I you know I tweeted about it today that he can he can extend out to that short little push shot and it's really effective. And Brunson found him on a roll one time in that spot and he made a, and he made a little floater. Um, so it's a little bit better, but still not, not, not nearly the spacing the Mavs had. Um, so yeah, something definitely to monitor closely and, and we'll see. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what the answer is. Um, I don't really know that there is a great answer. Um, you know, and like Julius, we could, I mean, I don't really know that we need to say much about Julius had a really good game did all the things that we, we wanted to do Went a little run in the third quarter that was reminiscent. Like I kind of think of two years ago, um, but yeah, teams are going to sag off Julius too. So yeah, I don't, I don't really know. I don't really know what they do that. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great, too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. 
Ow! Oh my god! Ow! Oh, ouch! Oh no! It's a bloodbath in here! There's gotta be a way to keep my dagger clean and shiny safely than this! This is what I used to deal with when I cut myself shaving before I knew about Manscaped. Which is why I now say thank you, Manscaped, for keeping my dagger slick and ready for wherever the night takes me. Manscaped is trusted by over 6 million men worldwide. Join the movement by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code FILMSCHOOL. It's time to end the days where shaving your balls becomes the final scene of a horror movie. The folks at Manscaped have the perfect package for your package to get this done. The -the below-the-waist grooming leaders have a fourth-generation performance package. Inside, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, liquid formulations, and two free gifts. Spooky season is here and Manscaped is getting you set, starting with the Lawnmower 4.0. This fourth generation trimmer also features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. Also included is their weed whacker. This nose and ear hair trimmer is here to whack your weeds and any goblins that come your way. Both the lawnmower and the weed whacker are waterproof. So in the comfort of your own home or in wild waters, these tools are your best friends. Speaking of your best friends, don't forget to give your testies besties the love they desire with Manscaped's liquid formulations. First is the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant. Hey, you put deodorant under your armpits, why not put deodorant on your balls? And can't forget about the Crop Reviver Ball Reviver to give your boys a boost. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Spend spooky season using the best tools for the job at Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with promo code FILMSCHOOL at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use promo code FILMSCHOOL. Slay your worst pubes and keep your dagger clean during spooky season at Manscaped. Speaking of Jalen Brunson, his backup, Derek Rose, uh, 12 minutes, yeah, 12 minutes, right? Yeah, I don't know what to think about that. I was, yeah. I think that was the most shocking thing to me. I after, especially after hearing the comments in preseason, like, oh, we know what Derek Rose could do. We don't need to, like, we don't need to play him in the preseason. I, I half expected him to come out last time and play twenty five minutes, and play twelve, and I'm like, huh, that's interesting. And he didn't look particularly good in those twelve minutes either. Yeah, no, he didn't. Um... I think he probably just was, you know, he's been, he's been, he was hurt a lot last year and then he didn't play much preseason this year. So it's just, you know, I think even, even as seasoned the player as he is, I think it does take some time. I also think in the preseason, it kind of sounded like there was something going on physically, whether it's like this new diet or still coming off the injury or whatever, where like there's, they're slow playing him. So maybe there's something going on that we don't really know about. Um, and the last thing I'll say, and, and it's going to be interesting is like, by adding Jalen Brunson, and this was kind of true with Kemba too, um, but like those, you're not really going to want to play Rose and Brunson together. I know they did a bit, a couple they, minutes. They yeah. will a bit, but like frankly, uh, you, you, that's that's really small. Um, and it's going to be interesting. Obviously, IQ is small too, but IQ with the wingspan, he can guard up a little bit better than Rose can. Um, 
and he's more of a kind of a, a spacer than Rose is traditionally something that someone that you'd want around Brunson. So I think that makes a little bit more sense. So it, 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 look, they have a lot of small guards. Uh, you know, you're, you have three in the rotation. Trying to juggle that is going to be interesting, I, especially if, if Cam emerged. And I count Fournier as a small guard because of how he defends. So yeah. like, it's really almost four. And you think about how Cam just performed. And RJ obviously being a bigger wing who is much, much better suited as we saw again last night as a help defender than he is as a on, on ball defender. Like ideally what you really want to put around Brunson are wings, big wings and Cam and RJ are kind of that model. And that, that was the closing lineup, right? Was, 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 was that Brunson, Cam, RJ. Uh, And I think that actually makes the most sense. And, you know, Rose, we closed some games for the Knicks, especially two years ago, he closed a bunch of games. Um, I just wonder, and that that was when you had Reggie Bullock as a wing and you had RJ, like more kind of traditional bigs. And if Brunson's going to close, I don't think Rose has an opportunity to close games. I just think it's a bit of a minutes pitch. Um, 12 is low. I think he'll play more than that. But I I do think that you're going to see Rose kind of get squeezed more than we thought, uh, just based on the Brunson situation. And we'll see with IQ. I mean, he's got to play better, obviously, but I yes. that'll be interesting to monitor too, is how much IQ plays with Brunson um, and how they kind of navigate that. Yeah. And you, I mean, you were touching on it before with like, well, what do you do with the roster? Cause like with, with all these guys, like you, 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 you nailed it just now, like in a world where Jalen Brunson is a huge part of your team, theoretically, Cam Reddish would be a guy that you would also want to be a big part of your lineups when you when you have Jalen Brunson out there, along with Quentin Grimes and RJ Barrett. Like there's a there's a fun little lineup for you. Brunson with the three wins. No, I forgot about exactly right. Grimes is another great one to put out there with him. And you think about what he added with Dallas. It was it was you know Luca who plays really defensively at the four, and then you have like Dorian Finney Smith, yep. like a big wing. And and you can hide Jalen Brunson where you need to hide Jalen Brunson. Um and so that is, it's a very, look, it's like, it's a weird roster. The Knicks have a very so strange, odd roster with two traditional fours, which is strange in today's NBA with a lot of small guards with really uh, 11 guys that should be playing to some extent. Like it is a weird with, with three competent centers, true centers that you want to play all the time. So like, there's a lot to figure out and it's going to take some time. Um, and some of it will sort itself out based on injuries and, and such, which is just inevitable. I, but yeah, I, I almost wonder as we're talking about this and this is I, I've, I've had variations of this thought over the last like, honestly, since they didn't get didn't trade for Donovan Mitchell. But like it really is like crystallizing here. You hearing you talk about I wonder like we, we, we keep going back to like, what is the goal of the season? And the minute they didn't trade for Mitchell, the goal of the season became, OK, we got to accentuate the young players, got to increase the value of the young players, got to figure out which of the young players long-term pieces, core pieces, all that good stuff. Just have it. Maybe the goal of the season is just, yes, go out, win games, try to try to look good, be respectable, the whole thing, maybe make the play in whatever, but like sort all this out between now and game and, 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 even, even go and take it into July. And like, I know there are bigger fish to fry and people are going to, including me wonder where the, you know, where's the star trade that they're going to look towards next. But like they, they do, they need to figure this stuff out. And it's not just about getting time for cam. It's about all of these things. It's all like, I don't know. I feel like when you, when you go to play like blocks with your kids or something and it's like you, you get three blocks in and it's like, Oh, I need, 
this block, but I don't have that. I have this. And it's not, it's not, you, 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 you get stuck. Um, and that feels like every conversation we have about this team, you get stuck pretty soon. It's like, well, I can't do that. Cause then I gotta do this. And it's, it's an issue. Yeah. And one of the reasons you're stuck too, is because you don't have a very flexible coach and that's just the way he is. And yeah. I think there's good elements to it. I think there's negative. And one of the negatives is, is, is if you're not going to play these fours at, at, at center and you have to have, and, and if you're, if you're kind of playing, you're not really staggering minutes. It's mostly unless there's foul trouble going to be units like that very much inhibits what you can do. Like you see Steve Kerr sometimes he'll throw 12 guys out in a game. And he'll just play him at random times and like he'll do weird things and the young guys will get time here and there. And some games they will and some games they won't. Like now he has the luxury of no. I was about to say playoffs. He has uh, the 100%. That's a tr- and, and, and that Tibbs does not have that. But it is. I'm not saying it critically as much as I'm kind of observing that it makes it harder to, to, to make everybody happy here. It makes it harder to, to explore the different things that you might have if you're kind of rigid about the rotations. So it's just, it makes it, that's one of the reasons I think that it's going to be so hard and, and it's going to take some time to figure this out and look like the one, one thing about that game that frustrates me, although even if I understand it is like, we spent all this time last year saying, Obi Toppin, you know, convinced Tibbs of X and Y. And Randall played really well. And Obi was, I, th- I don't think bad. I think at times really good. Um, okay. But it's the same. Like if you're going to have zero patience with this guy, as if he's like still a rookie and you're going to pull him when he makes a mistake and twice, like, you know, what are we doing at some point, at some point you got to move on it, it, at some point. It's not, it's no longer an asset to you if he's going to be a 13 minute, 14 minute guy who gets pulled every time he makes an error, like that's not helpful to your team. And it's not helpful to Obi Toppin's career. Well, so at some point, like we're in year three now, we're in year three now where Tibbs clearly doesn't trust this guy. Okay. So we've determined that we don't trust this guy. You're not adding to his value by pulling him after 13 minutes and you're not helping your team by pulling him after 30. What are you doing? So I, I don't know, like maybe this is just not the situation for Obi Toppin as sad as I am to say that. And I wish it wasn't the case. Like this is one of those things. It's not, it's not fitting. It's just not fitting correctly right now. And it's become a, a, a three year long problem. And we Julius say, Randall's on this team for another three years, four years. Well, we'll see if he lasts all that time. I, I, I will just say to look at opening night, you never want to overreact opening night. And I'm, I'm, I'm not even bringing up RJ Barrett. Cause I, I Nothing, nothing constructive could be, could be said. No, let's not talk about him tonight. Let's, let's not, but I circle back to him (laughs) in about 10 days, maybe (laughs) let's, let's hope. Um, I will say this though, comfortably looking at the rumored trade offers that the Knicks made. I mean, if, if ever you, you were, you doubted any of the reporting on that, like the notion that it was basically like they, they were, they would have walked to Utah with RJ plus quickly or RJ plus Obi and, you know, two picks like none of that is it. That should not be surprising. It shouldn't have been surprising then, but it really shouldn't be surprising now because, and especially in light of the, the, the Ian Bagley um, report slash prediction, whatever you want to call what, what he said. Um, yeah. And I'm certainly not overreacting to Obi's performance. I, no, I that's, do, I don't I, even think you're, that's, I, yeah, has nothing to do I, with I, I'm reacting. 
I don't think it's an overreaction because it's it's now a body of work. It's been two years plus now of Tibbs and Obi, and this is just what it like. I think it's in it's on Tibbs to prove otherwise. Like until Tibbs shows me, no, no I'm going to play him. Hell, seventeen minutes a night, and it's not it's just not going to happen. Like if the first game it came out like it sounds like Tibbs made a resolution, I'm going to play Obi more, and then the first game Obi struggled, quote unquote, and Randall looked good. It's like up thirteen minutes for you. Well, that tells me a lot. That tells me that that tells me yeah, it speaks it speaks volumes. Like well, it speaks to a lack of organizational commitment to doing this specific thing. Yeah, and you you can draw whatever conclusions you want about that. I that's to eat to each their own, but there is at this point, there is zero organizational commitment to saying we are going to play this guy enough to really see what he can do in a significant role. And 13 minutes is not. Yeah. Is and not let a, me just add, let me add to that for a second. I've been waiting now for three years for them to let Obi be a screener in this offense. No, no. And I figured, Oh, Hartenstein's here. You could put him in the corner and actually like, he may be even a credible threat there where like you can actually play four out with Obi as the roller. And it actually makes a little bit of sense where it's not Nerlens Noel or Jericho Sim standing in the corner, which they did occasionally to try to get Obi rolling. And, I don't, and I, I think Obi screened once or twice last night mm-hmm. and it was only on the second side, no plays for him. Like, so you're again, you're not committing to this player because everybody knew when he was drafted, who he was his best role. And you have yet to commit to him playing that role, even though you got a backup center who's playing with him, who will, should allow him to play that role. And so like, it, that's frustrating to me. Like uh, that was the one thing Randall's going to occasionally have some annoying isolations. RJ is going to fall asleep on defense and be inefficient, like stuff that I am. That's part of the growing pains of these players. That's that their players are flawed. These players are flawed. Like Obi, like, is flawed, but I haven't even had a chance to see what he can do. And well, nobody has, nobody has. And that's the shame. That to me is the shame. Um, and the first game, if, if the only like kind of real takeaway I had, because that, the rest of it is like, let's wait and see these are observations and like, let's see how it develops. But with the Obi thing, it's like, Oh, this tells me something no, that's, real. It's concrete. It's, it is concrete evidence. Yeah, like there is no, there is there's there's just no way around it. It it is concrete evidence, and it's uh, quite frankly, the sad thing is it shouldn't be surprising to anybody to be in a situation where oh Randall played well, oh yeah, well Randall played well, of course Obi's only going to play 13 minutes because that's what's what's going to happen. Um, I I I I, I want to move on from this, but it's just it's it's just to me. It is yet more evidence because we heard this rumor and that rumor over the summer about oh the the, the coach is now back in on Obi and I heard that like the I, I I my understanding is the analytics department there loves Obi Toppin I think there are people in the front office that love Obi Toppin I think there are front office people that wanted to trade Julius Randle I think there are front office people that want to keep Julius Randle and rehabilitate all of the different opinions and what do you get you get potentially a, a potentially really nice asset getting to his extension summer. And if he's still here, which we don't know if he's going to be here in six months. And, uh, and I, again, it's one game where I'm talking about six months from now, I probably shouldn't be doing that, but I, I completely agree with you. This was a, this is a him playing 13 minutes was like, 
it's a thing that happened. You cannot get around it. Um, last thing before I let you go, uh, Evan Fournier. There's a lot of Evan Fournier consternation. That's not a name I thought you were going to say. Okay, yeah. What's up? Um, did I I re, I my rewatch today focused on Cam and I really keyed in on lo, those minutes. I I thought Evan's defense was his usual brand of defense, which was like, eh. yeah. Um, he seems to be getting a lot of hate though today. Do do you think that that's warranted? No. Okay. No, I he is who he is, and he's a veteran. Like he's not he's not getting better or worse. Like <laughs> Evan Fournier is who Evan Fournier is. He is a really really good shooter. He is an occasionally decent playmaker. He is a weak defender who I do think tries hard, but is just extremely limited on that end. Um, I thought he tried last night, right? I I really, I didn't, I really, maybe there were one or two games where I questioned his effort. I don't think that's an issue with him. I think he plays hard. I think he's a really good team guy. He didn't close the game, but he's the first guy up on the bench. Like I like who he is as a player and a person. Um, You just have to know who he is. And yeah. it, 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 like, is the contract as the, as the, I don't think he's a positive asset. If he was, they'd be able to move off him. Oh, they um, would have moved. They would have moved him. off him over and over again. And even, I don't think 17 million is like wildly out of range of like the player you're getting. I just think it's not a positive asset. I think it's a slightly negative one. And it was, they shouldn't have signed him. I understand why they did. And now you just have to like take him for what he is. And I thought he did his job pretty well last night for what his job is. And I, I think Tibbs didn't close with him, which I think was really smart. And I think that's a good role for Evan Fournier. I don't mind. Like if he starts and he doesn't finish and he play, what do he play? I don't even, I don't have it in front of me. I'll look it up. But I am, if I had to guess right now, I would say he probably played 26 minutes. Yeah, I could do 21, 22 and be happy. But okay, if it's 26 for your $17 million shooting guard, I understand it. Like not crazy. And I hope they move him. Like that, 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 that's what I have to say about M48. He is who he is. He played like who he is. And I hope they move him, but I kind of like him. <laughs> no, that, no, talk about summing up this team in a nutshell. Um, <laughs> how's that? How's that for M48 analysis? No, you it's, can, fit, it's fantastic. You can look up, I've, I've written about, you know, how they get him shots and the, th- oh, wow. Played 33 minutes. Excuse me. That was wrong. He did? Played 33 minutes. Yeah. That's bad. That's too many. All right. I take well, it back. He, well, you know what? Because he, I, we, he played his normal minutes in the first half. So probably uh, what a can play eight or nine in the first half. So that's so that's fifteen right there. And then he put him back in in overtime. Oh, you're right. I forgot about the overtime minutes because he went, because he went to him over over Obi, yeah. um, which I didn't. Again, if to win that game, I didn't think was necessarily a terrible move. Just be, you know, a little more. But I don't know. Organizationally, I think it's kind of insane. Um, but it is what it is. All of this is what we're talking about is organizationally. Yeah. But these yeah, are the same it is, things. It is what it is. But it, yeah, for, I don't have much to say about Evan Fournier. Like I, I think he's a, a really good shooter, really excellent shooter who usually makes shots and almost made a really crazy shot with some really great footwork, which is what he does yeah. at the end of that game. Like his ability to pump fake and sidestep and off one foot. Like it's really like that's he's, he's extremely talented. I don't, I don't, I don't like when that gets overlooked. Uh, but it's just not the right guy for this team. It's just not. Uh, last thing before I let you go, we have a three-game homestand coming up: Detroit, Orlando, Charlotte. Uh, mm. I'm not going to ask you like make a prediction or anything, but what's one 
one thing, maybe something we have talked about, maybe something we haven't talked about, maybe a little tiny thing, whatever that you, even if it's just in like one game, maybe a matchup, something, anything that you, you want to close on something you might be looking for something you're thinking about something you'd be like, wow, I hope this happens. Or like, man, I'd be really bummed out if this happened. Give me one thing. Hmm. Um, I want to see Mitchell Robinson uh, obviously, this was like a really weird first game for him. I, I thought he had a really nice preseason. Um, I, I thought he looked really agile and in shape, which is good. And I think you had a right to be like, what's going to happen after he gets the extension? But I, I really I thought he looked really good. And he just obviously couldn't stay on the floor in game one. But you take you know these three fairly inexperienced young teams and you have your anchor big in there. I want to see him dominate the paint. I want to see him make these guys think three times about going up, stay in the game, dominate the boards, like do what we're now paying you a lot of money to do. Um, $17 million. You want, right. You want, I, I, look, <laughs> it would lot. not be, a, it would not be an episode of the next school podcast. With Benji is the guest without you making a noise or face or <sighs> gesture at the mention. Of the money that he's making. Okay, well, you know what? Now he's here, and and he has a lot of talent, and we know what he can do. And you want to see him dominate the paint against these teams. That's that that is what I want to see. That's if I had, uh, you want to see Julius keep really important to see Julius stay with this approach, even if the results don't come right away. That's number one. We want to see RJ obviously, holy hell, bounce back from that. From that, we don't have to. You don't have to complete this. Sentence. Whatever the mother of God that was. You could leave. And, you could leave that part of the Mad Lib. Uh, play. And you want to see Mitchell Robinson be Mitchell Robinson that we need to be a top ten defense this year. That's what I want to see. I never thought I'd say this in a million years. I want to see Cam Reddish on Friday night. <laughs> oh hell yeah! Me too. Me too. Yeah, I want to see Cam Reddish, and I want to see Cam Reddish not get carried away. Stay within himself, attack closeouts, get to the rim. No, no mid rangers. Uh, yes, 15 shots, not one. Get in transition. Holy hell, he's good in transition. By the way, that's a, uh, I should, that one thing I want to say this team has to, has to, has to play in transition. Last night, they were excellent in transition. RJ and Cam and Julius. And if a Hartenstein's in their actual outlet passes and Brunson, and it's going to be a little, it, no matter what they do, it is going to be a little awkward in the half court. It is. It's a lot of, it's a lot of ball handlers. It's a lot of lefties. It's not a ton of shooting. It's, it, it is going to be difficult for them to create space in the half court. I'm not saying they can't figure something out to be effective, but I think it's always going to be clunky. And the way that you mitigate that is by getting stops and rebounds and getting out and running with an athletic basketball team. That is really important to me. I want to see that too. Uh, look at you making another, another Cam Reddish pitch. You know, when, when did this become the, the Cam Reddish fam uh, phone school? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> when, when, when he made a tying three hustling to the That's, corner and we all lost our minds. Maybe that. <laughs> that was fun. Um, all right. Uh, Benjamin Holtz, not that anybody needs to know because everybody has to know by now. Uh, tell, tell the folks at home where they could find you. Yeah. Uh, ben Ritholtz MBA, uh, is my Twitter account. I put out too much stuff that you can look at and I hope you enjoy it and uh, not enough stuff. follow. 
Um, and I put out uh, the first one I hope will be early next week. Nick's film threads on Nick's film school, which are a bit more, more um, curated, I suppose. I try to actually like put something out that's coherent and like a real thought in a thread. Um, and I'll have kind of a theme, a lesson, if you will, that you can take a look at. Um, so those are the places to find me on Twitter. Um, and we'll see if I uh, get to writing again. I hope to. I just it's hard right now to to find the time, but hopefully we'll write something soon. Um. Other than other than Zach Zach Lowe's stuff that he puts out, um, my favorite NBA content to consume are your threads. Sheesh. Listen, I, I'm coming to you, Zach Lowe. Listen, one day. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just it's just because he's my idol. But you're you're right next there there next to him. All right. Hope you enjoyed that. Um, Benji, if you're out there right now, I hope the Yankees won this game for you and for nobody else. Just you. Um, I think that is it. We have a uh, game tonight. If you're listening to this uh, against the Pistons, please, guys, can we get a win against that. The uh, the good old Detroit basketball team. That would be nice. Uh, and there is a pregame postgame for that and uh i think that's it anything i miss anything uh kfs study hall tomorrow so if you want to be part if you want to be part of it on saturday um join chris and sean i think at 11 a.m um they'll send out an alert on twitter but if you have twitter set a set an alarm um well i guess guess don't set an alarm set the nick's film school account to alerts whenever they go live and you'll be alerted whenever they go live that's how that works. It's a great piece of advice. Yes. I even know how to do that. I'm proud of you. Yeah. I'm so proud. Anytime you tell me you can do something technologically, <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, progress. We did it. I we plugged did it, in Joe. a lamp today. I, we did it, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love you, Andrew. Uh, <laughs> thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Peace out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.